Hey guys, it's Andrea, and welcome to the new season of Trekkie and Beyond. We are now exploring some strange new worlds. Are you excited? Because we are. So stick around and enjoy. Hello, welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika. And I'm Andrea. And welcome to episode six of season two of Strange New Worlds, season two. And this one's called Loss in Translation. And Ensign Ahura seems to be the only person who can hear a strange noise upon the Enterprise. But the noise also triggers some hallucinations, some vivid hallucinations. And she has an unlikely ally throughout this episode who we love so very much. And also, uh, number one is dealing with some sabotage on a station in the middle of a nebula where stars are born. So let's go ahead and get into this episode. Monika, initial thoughts. So I did not want Hemmer to die. And I was thinking, you know, that his species really like cold weathers and like maybe he had survived. I was what I want his character return. I didn't expect by any means it would be like this. <laughs> it's nice to see him. So Hemmer's back. It's nice to see him. It was a little scary. This is a scary episode. It was nice to see him. I'm sorry. This is your initial reaction. I'm dead. <laughs> yes, it was initial. It was it was like nice to see him smile at the end. Let me just say that it was nice okay. to see the reflections of him. It was nice to see all the characters talk about him, how he had trained Ahura. And like different ways in which his character was connected back. And his character will continue to live for decades more with how he um, interacted with the rest of the crew. So that was nice. <laughs> and the rest of the episode also checked many of the other boxes that I like. Um, there's like drama, feeling soap opera. So it checks the away mission. There's some aliens there. There's checks of romantic drama that we'll talk about for just a bit because it wasn't a lot in this episode. There was certainly action, <laughs> action, action, action. <laughs> um, and there were lots of different plots because they were moving around and there was different locations. So um, overall, it was okay. Not my favorite, but um, we learned a lot about Ahura in this episode. What did you think about the episode? Um. I have to say, I don't mess with zombies who do not come back from the dead, Himmer. I'm, you are a great guy. And because of this episode, I went back and watched the episode from season one when, like, they were on the Gorm ship because, like, you know, he was awesome. Like, it made me go back and watch him because I did miss him. I didn't realize how much I missed him until this episode, but not this version of him. I need him. I need him not to ever come back like that again. <laughs> no, that was just, ah, scary. No. <laughs> Until the end, you're but right. That's what the, but that's what the aliens wanted, though. That that is what they wanted. That is what they that wanted. The communication method. Um, I love. Hello, James C. Kirk. How are you doing? <laughs> I oh, I love seeing him. I love seeing a sibling rivalry. Um, I love seeing the sibling that's just like I don't really like. I know I'm doing good, but I don't care. Like, why, why do you care that you're not doing as well as like? Why should I hold myself back? Like, what's going on? I love a good sibling rivalry. Um, I loved... I loved a little bit of the uh, little tension we got to see um, between 
uh, Laon and Kirk. I did like that. Like it was sort of weird because she has this whole relationship with him in her head and she can't talk about it. And then I loved, 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 loved more than anything else in this episode, the growing friendship between her and Kirk and the fact that Spock met him. <laughs> I loved that friendship. I was just like, okay, platonic best friends. Let's get it. I love it. This is all I want from them. I don't want anything else. I want that trio to be a group of like the platonic best friends, my version of the sci-fi golden trio. Like I was, that whole, their whole friendship that was building in this episode made it all worth it for me. And I was just like, I, I watched it twice specifically for their interactions. <laughs> Interesting, everyone. It's not just, she's not dark on the inside. <laughs> and this was a fairly dark episode. but It was a dark episode. <laughs> So, quick overview of the entire episode for people if it's been a moment since you've watched it. The uh, Enterprise and the Farragut, they are at a substation, which is basically supposed to be like a gas station, for all of Starfleet ships in a nebula where stars are born. And in it, that's when um, Uhura starts having all these hallucinations. She doesn't really figure out what's going on. She's seeing dead people. She's having vivid, like, it is not just hallucinations where she's seeing something. She's also actively in it. She's walking in it, fills, fills the interactions. She's scared. Like these are loose, like lucid dreams. These are lucid hallucinations. And the crew all, they misdiagnose her. Medical's like, oh, I think it's this, or it can only be this. And it's just like, um, let's go deeper. Um, we see that Captain Kirk comes to the ship and he officials the first time he actually officially meets this version of the crew. And it was sort of hard to realize that because he's met them all in other universes, but never in the main one. So that was a good thing that happened. Um, We see that Kirk and uh, Sam have a little bit of sibling rivalry, and it seems that the rivalry is more on Sam's side than it is on Kirk's side. (laughs) Um, And then we see that there's a sabotage going on on the inside of the little space port that they're at. Um, and they meet another um, Starfleet officer who is going through the same thing that her is going through, but his is a lot more advanced. And when Captain Pike is trying to tell her that she needs time off, Kirk comes in and is like, actually, she ain't crazy because something else has happened to other people on the ship. We see that she realizes that the guy is trying to sabotage the port. Kirk saves her. Great save. It's a great save. I, that, was, that was a really smooth save, and I just... I watched that scene like four times. Um, but the overall issue is that there are there is a microscopic invisible alien species that is living within the nebula that they can't see on their sensors. And the only way that they can communicate is through the dreams. Their, their, um, their signal is too loud for the receiver that is getting. And she learns that from him or from a past video that she had with the, um, her had with him. And she realizes they're trying to tell her something. And in the process of what she, like she decodes her dreams, realizes they're killing this alien species and they have to blow up the port. That is the episode. I will say, before we do go into our deeper dive, the parts that we love and think the scenes that we want to talk about, why do they always got to cry when they get to the emotion, when they get to like the crux of the episode? <laughs> I was like, oh, her, you could have said that without the tears. You really could have said all of that without the tears. 
Um, why did they, and I feel like it's only really the female officers exactly. that they have them do this. Yeah. And it's just like, this is not emotional. This is factual. We, you are killing an alien species. Stop. I know that for you, it was in your head. And so you're like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. But like, say it with your chest. Okay. Come on. Come on. Captain Pike, you're killing them. Stop it. <laughs> right. Because at the end of a previous episode, Leon was sitting on the bed crying. Yes. Of, we have a horror crying, someone else. But we don't see that in Spock. Spock was all emotional. He joked about crying in the shower, but he we didn't see him cry. Yeah. Uh, so I don't like that part in the writing. I agree. So let's go into the deeper dives into the scenes that we loved, scenes that we liked, and scenes that we tolerated. <laughs> Who knows what we're going to talk about first? So let's go into the opening scene. Who saw that coming? Um, we hear Ahura's personal log explaining like the upcoming mission and we see that she is sort of in a little daydream uh, sequence or has a little daydream time. And one thing about Ahura that I really love is what well, I'm loving now is that we see her start being a lot more self-assured uh, in season two than she was in season one. And I, I, I was reminded of that when I watched the episode with Hemmer and it when they were fighting the Gorn ship from season one. It's like, oh, she was really unsure back then. And now she does have a little bit more of a, I say it with your chest with other things, you know, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. But this episode, I felt like tried to undo some of that growth that she had. And I, oh, and the opening scene was like almost deceiving in a way for me. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Her has been really strong. Oh, she's going to have a breakdown this episode. Great. <laughs> what did you think? I appreciate the fact that it was her personal log. So we were opening up with her giving us really a synopsis of the upcoming mission. So mm -hmm. she introduced it and then it was, we followed her character through the completion of the mission and more because she's the one that ended up um, discovering the first contact of uh, what I've, what I'm concerned about, and this is really from an interview from the Ready Room with Will Reeton and uh, the actress that plays Ahura, um, and her name is Cecilia. She talked, the actress talks about how she used her experiences in Star Trek and this whole franchise to define the character. So last season, she was new to the franchise. And she felt like she was going to project that into a horror who's new to the Enterprise and the Federation. And I'm not quite sure that was a mesh. And she talked about how being now comfortable with the character, comfortable in the skin of the character, that now she's stepping up in her acting and, and, and projecting some more self-confidence. And so we're seeing that more on the screen. I was just hoping last last season, the first season, that we would see that more self-confident aura that I'm used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the reason why we didn't see it out the gate is because of the way the actress was projecting into that character role. I never like to tell someone how to do their job if, it, if I don't, if I honestly don't know how to do their job. And I could never be an actor or an actress. I could never do that. I tried. I was in one short film and I was like, never again will I ever do this. 
more power to you guys. But sometimes I need actors to stop putting their own personal spin on a character that's been around. Um, like if we have a blueprint for how this character is supposed to act, yes, you can sort of make it your own, but don't make the character unrecognizable that if you gave them a separate, a different name, I would have never known who you were trying to play. Or if you never named that character, I would have never known you were trying to play or her. Right. Because if a her is always this self-confident, self-assured person, be that person. You can be a little, like, a little bit more humble with it, but you still need to be, oh, I don't really know what my plan is, but I'm going to be great at it. Whatever I choose, I'm going to be good. Like, that's fine. It's fine to not know if the Enterprise is going to be your, if Starfleet or the Enterprise is going to be your forever spot. That is completely fine. But you're still going to know, you're still going to treat the job like you're the badass that you are, you know? Right. Because based on just a few star dates ago, we've seen her go through that emotional roller coaster ride to become more confident. And then she was tired at the, um, and not focused um, at the very beginning of this episode. But then we were, um, leading towards her solving this and Pike had to believe in her. And mm -hmm. so it was a little bit more of a leap for me because if she was confidence out of the gate, if she was strong, you know, everyone had faith in her throughout the time we've seen her, I would have more like, oh yeah, we need to follow her. There's, there's more to this where she's definitely confident, but it, it's hard, I think, to destroy a fuel, like something this important for upcoming missions. <laughs> They talked about needing this for uh, upcoming Gorn um, missions and other things like that. Then it's harder to take that risk in an ensign that's not sure of herself. Like, but, why did you let her say to fire the thing? Like, seriously, why did she say fire the torpedoes? Like, sometimes it's just there are scenes that are supposed to be like, yeah, girl power, but I need the girl power scenes to be organic, not to be right. forced. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's why Erica turned around. I was like, "Are you sure?" Like, <laughs> just want to double check. She's not the captain, <laughs> right? Who's the captain of the ship? There's a law. <laughs> Everything you're saying is being recorded. <laughs> um, and then Pike stated that he would take the fall if something goes down in Starfleet. It's like something's going to go down. Yes. Was, and granted, yes, you are destroying an alien race. Your first, the first prime directive is to do no harm. Like you cannot interfere. So yes, you will be justified in destroying the thing because you couldn't turn it out. You couldn't shut it off. So yes, you had to destroy it because you were killing God knows how many alien species. How would they ever know if you're wrong? Just fire the torpedoes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally... We were killing an alien species that was literally that literally infected two of our crew in the same way. Like you would have that's your proof, regardless of the fact that they could never see the aliens. That's your proof right there. Right. You had uh, Ramon Raymond or Ramon, however they pronounce his name, can't remember. They like he literally blew up part of the ship right. because of what they were expecting. Like it's believable. You have records. <sighs> Why I, I like I love scenes where it's like I'm the girl and I'm going to save everyone and I saved everyone. Awesome. I need it to be organic, not forced. Yes, I'm with you. 
But it also shows that for Ahura, she was able to decipher this a whole mm-hmm. lot better than Ramon, right? He yeah. just he just let this uh, alien species just take over him, and he was ready to destroy the ship. Um, and I guess this happened previously too, because they were two months behind schedule, and there was lots of other organizational and mechanical difficulties, which is the reason why the Enterprise was sent in. Yeah. So makes me wonder who else died in this. It's haunted. Just stop. <laughs> well, yeah, there's another spirit that was there. <laughs> yes. Um, so going on to a little bit of Kirk, um, we get to see him interact. As I mentioned earlier, that we get to actually see him interact with this version of the crew. And that's never really happened before in Star And it made me realize this was the first time he was actually meeting Captain Pike in person. Like, because the other time Pike was in the future, whatever. This is also the first time um, La'an is meeting him in this version. Um, so, like, because I, I was like, why are you introducing yourself? Like, oh, because you actually don't know each other. <laughs> and it's very interesting. There are two people on the Enterprise who've had their own adventures with Captain Kirk, and neither one of them know that the other one did. Right. Is, I never thought about that until this episode. And they both met different versions of Kirk, which is very interesting. So now we've met three different pe- versions of Captain Kirk on this show, which is third time's a charm. <laughs> or a charmer. Because we see that he has become the youngest um, first officer in the fleet. And his brother, instead of like being happy for him, it was like, you know who had the last one? Our father. How do you think that makes me look? And all I could think of was like, oh, you'd have no self-esteem, do you, Sam? Like, at all. Like, whatsoever. Because instead of being happy for your brother, even though he tried to take an interest in something, he he, he started the conversation with you guys, with, with you first. Regardless of the fact that Captain Kirk, sorry, First Officer Kirk, actually cared about what you were doing, he still took the effort to try and talk about it about you first before he talked about himself. He made the effort to actually engage in your work. And instead you turn it back on him and then insult him for getting a promotion because it makes you look bad. Like, seriously? I was like, I don't like you, Sam. Spock should have beat beat you last episode. Yeah, we know how Spock feels because also, like, um, Sam doesn't know how to clean up after himself. Like, (laughs) put his plates away, both in that episode and in this episode. Yeah, but they're two different brothers who are competitive um, and special in their own way. Uh, but they end up working together in the end because as the xenoanthropologist, he started thinking more about this other species and um, helping Yohora um, and um, James um, decipher it. And yeah, he did come in clutch in the end and still wanted an apology. I was like, boy, if you don't get your... And the fact is that James even had to say, dad gave you, your fir- gave you his, his first name and yet you go by your middle one. Like you, like you can't have it both ways. You can't say you can't outdo me because what is dad going to think? And you don't want to use dad's name, your your own father's name, like, or your first name. So like, Sam, you have some internalized issues 
that you need to work on yourself, but don't take it out on your brother because he's like, why should I apologize for wanting to do better? Why should he hold himself back so that way you don't feel offended by how far he's come? And if you really don't want to go any further, why can't you be secure in your decision to be where you're at, where you're at and be proud of where you're at? He's not the only one who has issues, though. Uh, James has issues, and he was sitting, waiting outside, not sitting, but standing, waiting outside the, the sick bay for a horror in heightened anticipation. Like, how is she doing? <laughs> and he was flirting, flirting, flirting. Uh, but he talks about, like, he has the need to help save. And um, it's how that's continued to be projected. And he's um, knows that he's charming and he doesn't yes, always he follow the rules. So on that note, before we go into our little further discussion about James, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the budding French platonic friendship. Cause I only wanted to be platonic people. Listen to me between Ahura and James, because I feel like they give off best friend vibes. And I know what happens in the original series, but still, I want them to just be platonic forever. Um, we get to we're going to talk about more of the alien species, more of the fight scenes, and a little bit of some uh, romance that Monica hinted at between two people who I still down this hill. It was lust. It was not like, but we'll see what happens. So don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Hi, it's Monika. Do you like swords and sorcery? Magi and dragons? Elves and the supernatural? If so, check out Yambani Chronicles book series, where corruption of magic at the behest of an unscrupulous god charged a fallen wizard to stop at nothing to ensure his love is safe. The series is available on ancientillumination.net and where all great books are sold. Oh, and there's a comic book too. Check it out. And welcome back to Truck and Beyond. Part two of episode six. So we ended the last of the first, uh, the first part of this episode by talking about James's relationship with his brother and some what of their lack thereof. And let's start this episode by talking about James' budding relationship with Ahura and how it started off rocky and ended up feel like they were going to be like, hey, did you see this meme? Did you see this meme? Did you see this meme? I feel like they're going to be that type of friends. Because <laughs> it starts when Ahura sits down at the bar to grab a drink. And James starts talking to her. And she's like, are you really hitting on me? And he's like, you sat next to me. <laughs> know James did hit on her. He was hitting on her. He, that man is shameless. Um, but I also know that when he realized she definitely was not into it, he was like, I'm not hitting on you. Like, this is done. It's over. Um, and then when her has her first hallucination where she's actually fighting herself, um, she accidentally punches James when she thinks she punched herself in the face. And James is like, I really was not hitting on you. <laughs> but like, he helps her see that she's not crazy. And he's one of the first people who actually believe her that there is something wrong with her that's not that's not um, connected to the delirium. No, the 
deuterium that they are next to. Um, he is one of the first people, outside people, who's like, all right, I'll listen to your story. And it goes, it sometimes shows when people know you, they expect certain things from you. And so, like, when you try to, like, explain, hey, no, guys, something's actually wrong. Oh, that's just how you always are. You just need to go to sleep. But sometimes when someone who doesn't know you and they don't know, quote unquote, the real you, they're able to be like, actually, that does seem weird. You're right. Let's figure this out. Um, he's there with her throughout sick bay when he's there with her with Captain Pike when Captain Pike just thinks that she needs more rest and more sleep and is not really listening to what she's saying. She's like, no, it's not that. I'm not being poisoned by that because the, these hallucinations happened before I was exposed. There is something else going on and Captain Pike is giving her this like the sad, com- comforting eyes of I, you're going through something bad right now. And no one wants to hear that. When you're actually going through it, no one wants to hear that soft voice. And Kirk is like, actually, there's a dude on like the shuttle port who's going, who went through the same thing. So I think this is connected. Um, he's there when she thinks she's having a hallucination. And it's like, this isn't real. This isn't real. He's like, no, this is real. We have to stop him. When she's fighting off Ramon and like she, he, Ramon like pushes her back. James is there, like literally wraps his arm around her, holding a phaser out at the guy. It's like, get us out of here immediately because he knows there's no reasoning at this point. He saves her life. And he's there for her like throughout almost everything that's happening to her in this episode. And I was like, this is a foundation of an amazing uh, friendship. I need this to just be a friendship. I want this to be... Monica shaking her head at me. But it was a great friendship. <laughs> Monica, what did you think? <laughs> yes. However, I kept thinking, like, after he had the argument with his brother at the bar, I thought that James should go back to his ship. Like, <laughs> why are you lingering, dude? Don't you have a ship to manage? <laughs> you were just promoted. Hey, okay. Go back to your ship. And then also, I was thinking about how there could have been people who are affected the same way as Ahura, but on the Farragut. So I, because they're, they're storing dilithium there, not sorry, deuterium yeah. there as well. And so I just kept thinking, James, go back to your ship. James, go back to your ship. I was so, I'm so puzzled about <laughs> him <laughs> because I, I, <laughs> I liked I like to see how those characters first met. So that was cool. I just thought it was a strange introduction um, of James because he met with Sam um, on the holodeck, but typically the captain of the ship meets the uh, the individual joining the sh- the yeah. ship, and Pike wasn't there on the holodeck when. When James boarded, sorry, is it called the holodeck? The transport room is called the holodeck. Well, that's where they beam. So I, I've, oh no, so oh, you're absolutely right. The holodeck is where they experience something. I shouldn't call it a holodeck. It's the transport. Oh, I was like, wait, is that what it's called? I haven't been calling it that this entire time. <laughs> you're absolutely right. All right, everyone, I misspoke. <laughs> so in the transporter room, uh, I think Pike should have been there to greet. That's tradition, and then it there should have been then an exchange, and then Pike should have walked away and then then the brothers the two brothers could uh start their their banter together and continue that at the bar it was just weird to see the introduction um at 
Ahura's debriefing with Captain Pike. Um, it was like Pike was counseling her and then in walks the newbie on the ship from another ship and like, hi, Pike. <laughs> it was just weird to see that that um, those dynamics. So I felt that way in several different cases in which James was introduced to other characters. It just seemed a little forced or a little off to me. Um, I'm glad you liked it. It just didn't resonate well for me. So no, I can understand that. I guess it goes back to what I said in the first half is that like James, for, for James, he's meeting Pike for the first time. This is not Pike's first time meeting James. Right. And so like, I, th I feel like because it's that case, this is sort of happening. Because like, you're, you're right, Pike, that should not have been the first time he met Pike was when he was talking to her. But it didn't even dawn on me because this isn't the first time he's met Kirk to him. Right. And so, yeah, I told, I get it. I, Cause he's like, Oh, I can trust James on the ship because he's a very honorable guy. I know who he is. I've dealt with him before, but you haven't. Right. <laughs> not and, yet. <laughs> and how about this? How about when Ramon escaped from the sick bay and stabbed Mabanga and ran out? Like, why was there only one security co officer called? Why was like, like, I'm the only one? There should have been like other security officers, not just James, Pike, um, uh, Ahura looking for it. And Ahura should have just land, stayed behind. I don't know why James took her. I'm going to be super right. honest. I don't know why he took her with him. <laughs> She's that already hallucinating. No She's hallucinating too, dude. Just because <laughs> her's a little bit more manageable right now. And then when she actually hallucinated on it, or her, you were stupid. He should have walked you back because he should have just walked you back. Because um, you should have never left by yourself. <laughs> you should have never left in the first place. <laughs> um, it was interesting. This episode was a, a, a little bit of a hodgepodge. It was very interesting to see... So I will say, so going back to your part with Sam meeting, being the one to meet James, I think the only reason that happened is because they were brothers and I don't think Pike understands. I mean, Pike is a good guy, but I don't think he really understands. Brothers don't always like each other. And this, that, that's the case for this one. So it was weird how like James Lush is hanging out, but I felt like at the same time, my hope in my heart is that like he missed his brother and he wanted to be close to him. He wanted to be close to family. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he was just sort of maybe hanging around to just be like, I want to feel close to you. That's my that's my hope for that. Um, but like during the other scenes, yeah, it, it, it's a like, James. Why are you taking a her with you? <laughs> like that didn't make sense, James. It, and then why? You, she just had a hallucination. Why would you let her walk back by herself? <laughs> and I'm hoping. My thought is, I'm my thought is that we just didn't see the other security officers. My hope. And my thought is we didn't we just didn't see the other security officers because it would not maybe like they fanned out and looked at other spots and uh, dispatched them to multiple like maybe he was on different levels. I'm just I'm hoping because you're right it doesn't make sense for them to just be one security officer like granted it's only one guy but it's a big ship. <laughs> okay. okay, I'll walk in faith with you. There was other security officers we just didn't see. I, that's my hope. That was my hope. I was just like, this is my person. <laughs> I also felt because James was lingering so long on the ship, I felt like he was like networking and getting to know other people for his next set of like 
moves up in the I Federation and Starfleet because he was hanging out with the, in the lounge a lot and like seemed to like he was just he overstayed his welcome to me. <laughs> I'm gonna be super honest. He probably was like, I gotta make sure. Because Enterprise is the flagship, right? Yeah. I think. And so Pike just became the uh, like fleet commander for like the whole little thing. Fleet right. ca- captain for the mission that they're on. He's like, these are people that I need to know. But, and again, it's like he still doesn't know that they two of those people actually know him or versions of him. Um, so it's like, I just want to, you know, get to know, see what's rub the el- rub elbows with other people. Um, I, I definitely can understand why he was trying to network. Networking is great to further your career. Yes. Um, and we know that James wants to have a long and lustrous career. He wants to be the best. He wants to do the best. He wants to do everything that he can. And, um, I'm gonna be honest. I wasn't mad looking at him on my, on my screen, so I, you can say that. <laughs> and he remembered that Leon owes him a drink. Yes. So he's not too proud to bring those kind of things back up. Like we're gonna drink together. <laughs> um, but as we move on to other aspects of this episode, um, I know there was something that you wanted to speak about between Ahura and Palia. Oh, so I'm a little confused about this because during the scene, Pilia mentioned that Ohora that hadn't talked, spoken to her before, that they hadn't spoke, talked. But I remember in the broken circle when Pilia joined the bridge and Spock was like taking over the Enterprise and Ohora mentioned Pilia's accent and that it's um, Lathanite, and mm-hmm. asked her a little bit about it. So I was just confused. So they, it's not like Ahura had been ignoring Pelia this whole time. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the writers either forgot that line, just didn't know about it. <laughs> They're trying to make something out of nothing. Yes. Some conflict um, there. It didn't really exist to me. I was like, it, there was like a slight introduction um, I felt like this episode Pelia was pushing the boundaries with people on in, on the Enterprise, but for a good reason. Um, because she has like weird interactions with number one as well yeah. um, on the spaceport. And we don't find out until the end that number one tries to blame her on the fact that she got a C in Pelia's class when she was in the Academy. And Pelia's like, that's true. You deserved it. But that's not why you're upset with me. And it's the same reason why like her hadn't like talked to her at the same time is because him or her being there means him or is not. And not even says that he retired or moved somewhere else, he died. And Pilia being there means an everyday reminder that him or died because she's there. And Pilia's like, I've lived for thousands of years. Do you not think I haven't gone through this before? I've gone through this many times. And I like that she is not afraid to confront people. She's like, I've lived long enough not to care anymore. <laughs> I'm going to lay down the table. I'm going to push the buttons. I'm going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until we get to the point. Because what's the point? I, I, I've been here too long to waste my time in conversations and not get to the point. And I felt like she was trying to allow them a ways to get to it, get to the solution on their own. And when they did it, she was like, look, I know Hammer's dead. I'm here. 
it sucks. But I'm here. <laughs> like, you can't be mad at me for having this job. Someone was going to get it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And why not someone who is known Hammer has all of these other experiences to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So they're still overcoming Hemmer's death and grief and there's displaced anger and frustrations there. But as you mentioned, it's not her fault. Um, I think Yuna really showed that Pilia was right because Pilia was talking about you has, you'll always want to seem like you're the smartest person in the room. And Yuna mentioned that she, um, she has moved up in Reich and why hasn't Pilia moved up? And maybe Pilia doesn't want to. She wants to keep this lower profile, wants less stress or whatever. <laughs> like that line? I really didn't. Because as someone who has actively fought against managerial roles in her life, yeah. <laughs> sometimes people just don't want the stress of being in charge of other people. <laughs> I want to come in, get my work done, and do. Right. You gotta stay late for that meeting, but I don't. <laughs> right. and, and we've seen that with Mariner on Lower Decks, right? She doesn't right. want to be captain. So, <laughs> but the way it was like she was trying to find some sort of big comeback, and that didn't work. And so then she started name calling by calling Pilly a space hippie. Like, and Pilly was like, I like that name. I've been calling a lot of things. <laughs> I like that one. Um, and that even sort of goes to Sam and back to Sam and James for a quick second. Because Pelia is comfortable in her position yeah. and not moving up mm -hmm. any further. She's like, I just want a new adventure. That's why I'm here. I want to do something different. Right. And she's like, I'm good and I'm comfortable where I am. And James is like, I want to keep moving up. And Sam is, is comfortable in his position, but he's not okay with his brother doing better than him. So yeah. it's like, you can't be comfortable. You say you're comfortable and you say you're happy. Why are you unhappy that your brother's moving up and you're not? But you said you're happy. So Sam needs to have some sessions with Pelia. Um, we always have those unauthorized therapy sessions with a medical doctor who knows nothing about, you know, emotional whatever from discovery. From discovery, Pelia, you've had thousands of years of experience. You could probably be a therapist right now <laughs> and give Sam some therapy lessons of being okay with where you're at and not comparing yourself to other people. I'm like, oh yeah, you know what? You know what comes with that job? Stress and bones break under stress. In the words of Link from Grey's Anatomy. Stop. <laughs> right, here's another deep cut and and i don't think pilly is going to talk about food the whole time like yeah the, like the doctor oh Durham. my god like the bird from the dude we're not cantaloupe can't we all get no we cannot cantaloupe together we cannot can't all get along together stop it stop it stop it stop it um okay sorry Moving on, there was a little hint of romance going on. And I, again, from my opening statement, from my initial reaction, I believe this was less, not love. And we've all been there. We've all, we've all, so it's like, I really have feelings for this person. It's like, actually, no, I'm just attracted to this person. And like, you need to get over that initial reaction. You're just like, I actually don't like you. Like, not like that. Not that you're a bad, not like you're a bad person, but I was just, attracted to you because you were shiny and new and different than what I'm used to. But I'm not going to ruin what I have over temporary lust feelings. But I think someone else has a different take on it. I'm not going to say who, but she may be my co-host. <laughs> so I am glad that they addressed the elephant in the universe instead of elephant in the room. Because at the end of last episode, the 
um, Spock and Chapel were smooching, were kissing. And so you didn't quite know how far their relationship got or if they talked about it further or anything like that. But they, in this episode, they were talking about their relationship over a game of 3D chess. And Spock talked about reporting their uh, an update about their relationship to the Federation following guidelines um, that are in place because he kind of, he outranks her. And the nurse chapel is more about like, let's keep this on a, as a secret love affair, like a secret relationship. We're not going to talk about it and file any, uh, <laughs> any actions about this while we work this out. And I don't know if it's, she's not interested as much in a commitment or if she's like, just if she doesn't want this to be, uh, she doesn't want them to get into trouble because uh, she might advance to other relationships, other um, career pursuits. But this could hurt Spock if their relationship blows up. So I am a little worried about that there. And I think it is important to talk about your relationship, <laughs> especially because Spock just came out of another one. And so he really needs to know if she's committed or if this is just like a casual thing because there's another person that's not in the scene right now that I don't know knows that Spock is seeing other people. <laughs> so so, I have to say, I can't believe I'm saying this. I really can't. I actually agree with Nurse Chapel in that scene of not recording their relationship to anyone. Because one, we don't, you don't know what that relationship is yet. And again, I firmly still believe it's lust and not like real. Like I feel like they may like each other as people, but I don't see there being anything there besides attraction. Like I need like. I really don't. I don't. I don't see it. Besides, just the I think you're hot. I think you're hot. And you're yes, he's a caring person, but he treat he cares about everyone on his ship. So it's like I get it, but at the same time, I don't. Um, but I want. I'm. I don't want this to become a thing until it's actually a thing. Until like they can have. Until they know without a shadow of a doubt. This is not just lust because Spock, like you said, just got out of a. Very serious. He was engaged to be married. It wasn't Supreme was just his girlfriend. Right. That was his fiance. He right. just completed a fiance ritual yes. with her. And like, I feel like a lot of it is his human side. He's trying to manage his human side and his Vulcan side at the same time and trying to let in the human emotions a little bit more. And I think everything is jumbled and he's like, well, let's do the right thing and report our relationship. But what if there's no relationship in two weeks? Because you guys cannot, you guys realize you, there's actually nothing there. Right. But the rule is there probably to prevent sexual harassment lawsuit or I don't know. It oh, it's, it's wrong, yeah, it's no, like, I get why the rule is there, but don't jump the gun and say, Okay, we're just talking and going out on a few dates. We're in a relationship. No, we're not. Right. No, but it's not. important to have that conversation. It doesn't seem like they had had that conversation yet. And then also, James picked up something. He noticed that before they started talking about their relationship, Spock 
was winning at that chess game. Once they started talking about that relationship, Spock was distracted. And then he like he could have won in, in like three moves or something like that. And mm-hmm. then after that, he had lost his advantage. So he could be now more distracted at work um, and making decisions. Or less. I think this is honestly less. Nothing against Nurse Chapel. Nothing against Spock. I think you both were just like, oh, shiny, new, different. And sometimes that doesn't lead anywhere. Yes. And we also know that Spock is coming to terms with his human side and these feelings that he developed. And he's starting, he's like at that teenager, he's a grown adult, but he has teenage feelings that he feels as though he should explore. He's emotionally stunted. (laughs) Yes. He is. He is like a teenager with his emotions. He does not know how to act on them and or suppress them or to be like, or to use logic to dictate yes. if these emotions are real or like lasting. Don't throw away forever on temporary. Okay. Don't throw away love for lust. Don't. She was just here. Because if Supreme was on your ship every single day, would you even look at her? Hmm. Just saying. So we're coming to the near of the near, the near. We're coming near the end (laughs) of this episode. I know how to speak words, people. Um, Any final thoughts, Monica? I know that there's been like a disruption in fuel access for something that they've been hinting at all season is this um, a, um, potential war with the Gorn. So it seems as though there's lots of um, episodes that are combining together to get to this Gorn mission. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how this all unfolds. And if Pike is then held for the, for not having enough fuel. Like what's the ramification for, for this and will the Federation understand? Um, I'm looking forward really to this upcoming battle. I feel like they've been talking about this for like six episodes. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's get to the gourd, to the fight. Um, and those are the, it should be lots of action. What are your, your final thoughts? Um, I don't know, actually. Because I am excited to get to the war. Like, that's so so horrible. But I feel I'm like just coasting right now through the series. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying how like every episode is something different. So I'm learning something new each time. It's not, um, I don't, I don't want the entire, like, you know me, I don't like the entire season being about one subject line. I don't. I need there to be diverse. I need to be diversity. There's different something different every episode. So I think this episode wrapped itself up nicely. Um, I think for all the loose ends it created, I think it wrapped itself up for those issues. Um, I think I really did love seeing Spock, Kirk, and Ahura together in a scene. I love Spock ragging on Sam in front of the in front of James, and that's how they're bonding over their mutual dislike of his brother. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Um, I just, I am excited for the next episode. 
I think we're all very excited for the next episode. Um, but I, I'm satisfied. This episode left me happy. It didn't leave me wanting like I like some of them do. It was just like, I'm going to feed you everything you need. It did make me want to go back and watch older episodes because I miss certain characters, but it didn't make me like want for anything new or like wish there was a different outcome for something. So, well, except for the Oho or her crying. If she didn't cry, that would have been much better. But and wrapped up all, I wrapped up all those little loose ends. <laughs> I think that's everything for me. And for me, that's everything. Okay. Well, as always, I'm Andrea. And I'm Anika. And live long and prosper. prosper. Hey guys, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Trekkie and Beyond. If you enjoyed that episode, feel free to subscribe by pressing that small little follow button. And if you feel so inclined to support, well, that's even better. And as always, live long and prosper. Thank you.